happy morning guys happy afternoon happy evening wherever you are whenever you are thanks so much for tuning in as always to the yvr remo show where we talk about everything and anything to do with financials and real estate all the tips that you could possibly imagine whether it comes to investing in real estate or learning how to invest your time and money to make it go further today's episode we thought we'd bring on a living legend that's right a living legend his name is danny evans now danny is a really awesome guy if you ever if you get the chance to meet him or know him he is unforgettable danny's been in the industry for about 41 years and he has a passion for educating his clients to do more with what they already have available including his famous little tagline move up and get your home for free uh danny's a really really cool cat again he's been around for 41 years seen uh the highs and of the highs and the lows of the lows and the one thing that we learn about danny is he's uh he knows how to take advantage of both a good and a bad economy. So he's definitely someone that you want to pay attention to and listen to. And he's a great storyteller. So look forward to this episode. But uh, before we get started in the episode, what we always and always, always, always love to talk about is giving away free mugs and coffee. So today we have a five-star review from a gentleman named Anthony Dick. Anthony, thanks so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. And for the five-star review, uh, Anthony says, always full of great info. Every episode I listen to, I learn something new. Tons of useful and relevant content. Keep it up. Hey, Anthony, thanks for sending that review along. That means a lot to us. Our goal every single time is not to give you fluff, but give you the straight good. So we appreciate you checking out the show and listening along. And if you love the show and you want to win yourself a Thrive mug as well as some coffee like Anthony did, make sure to leave a review and let us know the reviews, reviews can be found on iTunes. Guys, thanks so much for uh, checking out. Uh, on behalf of myself, Alex McFadden, my partners, Derek and Dean, we are Thrive Mortgage Co. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. And we're excited that you're going to share your your uh, your feedback and expertise over five decades of real estate, which is holy cow! <laughs> we got the golden cow here. Who thought anyone could make it that long? <laughs> it's incredible. I, you know what? And you've got more energy than people that we've met who are five years in the industry. So you're doing something right. You're doing something right. Um, you know, 1982, the rates of what were they at at the time in, in the 80s? They were going. They went from 14 to 19 to 21 percent. Wow! I remember a couple. When the rates were uh, at 18%, they were so happy that they got an 18% mortgage. Right. Unfortunately, the next year again, went down to 12. Too bad. Right. So how does it make you feel today when you hear about clients struggling with uh, trying to find the best rate where, where it's a 0.015 or 0.05% difference between a 2 and a 1.95 and they're struggling to figure that out? What, what does that make you think of? Well, it makes me think a lot of times that you should manage your money better. Yeah. Don't buy that brand new car. Don't buy that brand new stereo. Don't buy the brand new everything, but get a great house. And it's still, a more than ever, I'm on the track of let someone else pay for your house for you. So my new tagline is free house. So if it's not free and mortgage-free, it might even be a bigger mortgage, but get someone else to pay for it. I love it. I love it. So let's dig into that, though. Like, who's paying for that mortgage? Let's say, for example, that you got a, a million-dollar home. I just sold a house a short while ago to a young couple. 
they were moving in. The house was $900,000. They did get a little bonus from mom and dad to help buy the house. And they're looking at the house and they're figuring out that their mortgage payment's going to be $3,200 for this house. So we went downstairs and there's a basement suite. So they're sitting in the basement suite. So here's a young couple, 22 and 23 years old, and they're going to buy this house. So they went and they said, well, our mortgage payment's 3200 a month. And they said, you know what? If we rent out the upstairs and live down, our mortgage payment's 600 The people upstairs are paying $2,600. they are paying $600 a month, even cheaper than rent. That same suite would rent out for 1500 yeah. but their out-of-pocket expense is $600. That's huge. I love the way that you look at this, uh, Danny, and, and we're going to talk about you know some of the other things that you've seen along the way, but just the fact that you you picked up a few things immediately you know if you're if you're worried about 0.05 you're probably looking at uh putting your money in the wrong place or you're spending your money in the wrong place i should say or not investing it correctly and the second thing is something we talk to people all the time about which is why not sacrifice a little bit in the short term to do something well good in the long term i should say make some money uh like you just mentioned live downstairs for a little while in many situations i've seen people that actually have done this and they've rented the the heck out of the basement made it actually incredible uh, uh, place to be, and they don't need all that extra space of that upstairs, which is kind of neat. That's right. So and it's interesting what the municipalities have done. A lot of times people say, oh, are you allowed duplex? Well, duplex is a funny word because now practically everything's duplex if you want to call it that, if you want to put a name to it. Because 2006, they brought in legal basement suites for Langley. Surrey, they probably had them a little longer. Surrey, there's suites all over the place, but of course we all know a lot of them are unauthorized just as Langley is. So the whole idea is when they brought those suites in, you basically have a duplex. Mm -hmm. So you can really manipulate your uh, amount of money that you're getting for rents. And they went from uh, suites, went from 968 square feet to 1,250 square feet. So in fact, you can actually build, still build a slightly bigger home. The interesting part about that young couple that uh, rented out the upstairs, I've since sold their mom and dad's uh, home a number of times. And what their mom and dad did and mentored their kids in getting into is to sell their homes and then start building. So mom and dad have gone from, same as their kids, from the same area, a house that is worth about 800000 today, and they're now living in about a $4.5 million home. Mm. And their mortgage payment's always been very close to the same, but they've always built and sold, built and sold. Mm. So that's why we have you on here today. Uh, a few things, five decades of experience, obviously picking up the uh, the downsides and, and the crazy times in the 80s, and then uh, just sharing with us the experience that you're talking about right now that you, you said you almost fell into, which is the idea of building and, and leveraging up over time, which is kind of neat. But, uh, you know, why don't we talk a little bit where you're at uh, here today, uh, Danny, and where, where we're at. I, I heard you just uh, just about finished selling out uh, 50, what is it, 56 lots here in, in Langley? 56 lots in Langley, and we took that over, and I, I basically ran the same principle that I did when I built my first house. And what I did is I always feel whatever you do in life, become the best that you can be at it. And so my idea was to be a realtor. But if I was going to be a realtor, I wanted to know all ends of it. I wanted to know how to build. I wanted to know how to develop. I wanted to know what mom and pop home was. And I was always uh, proud of that because I came, the current house that I live in, uh, the kitchen and family room is bigger than the home I grew up in. The home I grew up in, and by the way, the kitchen and family room, we had eight kids in the same area. 
So we had a heck of a lot of fun, not a lot of money. But what I did is in 1986, I had to figure it out for sure. So I was going to build my own home. Everyone told me I was crazy. Everyone said, you can't do it. And I said, well, I got to do it. I had no background in building any of that. But I went out and tried to search out people that knew a little bit about it. I would ask them how to do it. And I never really had anyone that said what I was going to do was a good thing. I built the house. I had a builder. He said, Danny, because I know you, I'm going to give you a good deal. So I said, terrific. So he was going to build the house at that time for $54 a square foot. And I go, you know what? Even though you're going to give me a good deal, I still have to build it on my own so that when I'm talking to someone, am I just talking through my hat or do I really know what I'm talking about? I built it for 29 I ended up doing another subdivision. I took the subdivision over because they were trying to use builders to build it out and no disrespect to builders, they do a terrific job. But I used the principle for the developers to sell their lots, they had to sell them to the end user. And by selling them to the end user, what I had demonstrated is how much money the end user could save. We did 180 lots in two years and the lots were all sold out in two years, 180. That trend followed right through to now, where I ended up going into a subdivision with 56 lots, and I ended up with about 30 of the lots to sell. And guess what? All of those, or the majority of those, are to homeowners building their own homes, uh, setting up basement suites, legal basement suites, beautiful homes, and a large part of the home is being paid for by that basement suite. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, pretty, um, I mean, there's so much value in your experience. I find that, you know, uh, not having that niche, a lot of real estate agents, you know, they focus on the resale market, which obviously there's immense amount of business there. Um, but the value that you bring to your clients to be able to show them and coach them through that, because a big part of building is obviously being able to build, you know, the, your forever home or the house that you want, build it to your your exact spec, but there can also be some profit made while you're building, right, compared to buying resale huge there's huge profits built in and even if it wasn't even if it wasn't a profit per se the savings are enormous so that first house i built 54 dollars a square foot i built for 29. now when you sell the house you got to remember built into the sale is the builder's profit built in is a realtor's commission built in is all the gst payable on the all the soft costs that the builder might have put into the house initially. So when you sit down, the quickest way to remember it, because I'm gonna have people that will analyze and, and that's what you have, is if you're gonna to talk to anyone about building, you better make sure they, they know what they're talking about. So what I did is again, looked at those costs and the cost became huge in the savings and the amount when you sell the home that you gain out of that home. What you really end up with is tax-free money on that. So it wasn't really just the tax-free. You ended up with a better house at a better price. So, so Danny, I mean, we talk, we hear a lot of people that reach out to us and they have you know grand dream grand dreams of building homes and and big ideas and so forth. And you're, there's a, a number of different things that kind of stop them from going there. I mean, one of the biggest things we see is just not enough cash, not enough capital, yeah. uh, which is a big piece. Uh, we see other things where they just don't know where to start and they don't know who to talk to. They don't know where to go. It's just kind of like a pipe dream to, to look at that, which shouldn't stop one from someone from looking at this as an opportunity, even potentially down the road. When you f find someone that's maybe not ready today to do that build, like what is your advice that you provided them to put themselves in that in a good position? Well, I think you really have to search out and what you're doing even on a podcast like this, it's very seldom done. It's really unique. If you look anywhere else, you're not going to see this podcast. You're not going to see 
people sitting down and showing you how to do it. If you go out there and see how many people actually show you how to do it, it's hardly anyone, partially because no one really does know how to do it. You're combining so many skills. Usually the builder is taking that skill and taking the financing, going to the lawyers, getting the lot, figuring out what the home is to build. Now, all of that is put on you. So my suggestion is getting a really good builder, getting people who know how to do it. So in this particular case, how many people can do it? There's not a lot, but if you reach out and try to find the best information you can, that's what'll help. One of the really uh, caution points that I have to give is you're gonna get a tremendous amount of advice. I've had innumerable people tell me about developing, tell me about building. Unfortunately, it was all bad. They tried to scare you, you'll never be able to do it. I know somebody that did it, and they did it terrible. Can you do a terrible job building? Yes, you can. But if you do it right, and you search out the right people, it's like anything you do. Search out the best people, and it'll turn out well. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You need a really good team going into a build because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of surprises that can come up. It's a totally different ballgame than just buying and selling, right? I mean, everything from the finance to dealing with the city to, you know, finding the right lot and knowing what you can build there. So, yeah, I think you're bang on with that. What got you? Uh, so, Danny, you mentioned to us that, you know, one of the biggest things that, that got you into the idea of building was just that initial kind of conversation of like, how do I do this, right? Like just curiosity and, and moving into it. One of the things that that we find unique about you, and, and we fortunately work together, yeah. uh, is the way that you talk to your clients about the numbers. Like, again, a mortgage isn't a bad thing if you use it as a tool. You explain the advantages of using, uh, in some circumstances, a HELOC or just paying interest and looking at a variable rate and these type of things. What got you interested in that in the first place? And what, what kind of pushed you down that path to figuring that out? Well, I think to figure it out, you actually have to do it again. So a lot of times you can talk about it. And really, I put the numbers together when I first was going to build my first house. I reversed the process. And I said, well, hold on. If that house, well, I'll go in today's dollars. So if that house is selling for $1.4 million, it's got a commission built in there. It's got a builder's profit built in there. It's got a land component built in there. And all of those had soft costs and overhead costs. And I thought, well, if all those costs are built in, I, I would see it as about a two to $300,000 cost built into that. Why don't I try to save that? That's my savings up front. So whatever I, however good a job I do at the end of it, I'm either going to save all of that or a portion of that. And usually what you find at the end of it, you saved all of it because you will improvise yourself. And especially if you're a trade or you're in the mortgage business or you're in the real estate business, there's going to be savings that you inject into there yourself. Or maybe you do know somebody. I would always strongly suggest use professionals. Don't use someone where if someone says to you, did you do that yourself? If they come into your home and they see a wall or something, it's not a compliment. That could be a problem. <laughs> that, that could be a real so, issue. So really what I would do is break it all down, reverse the numbers, and I'd go, hey, I think there's money to be made here. More importantly, remember that all the money you make or save, it's all after tax dollars. So, so you're suggesting essentially that that someone uh, go through the strategy of doing this for their owner-occupied home, at least to start off with, uh, to save the money, obviously, on an owner-occupied... Well, it, it's a personal residence right now. So we have that tax exemption, which is a big piece. You, you Do you... Sorry, as a side note here, do you typically recommend that someone do that and hang on to it a certain period of time and then do it again? 
so basically using the appreciation in the market, is that one of the investment principles that you use or is that kind of a byproduct? Well, it, it, the appreciation of the market happens on all homes. The nice part about building is you're not worried about the appreciation of the market. You're, you're actually making money the right. day that home is built. So one of the best clients I've ever had that did a home, uh, by the time he finished doing one of his homes, he was in for a cost of 300000 the current people across the street and around him were spending 350000 for the same home. At the beginning, he had $100,000 equity to go into that home. So the market went down, you know, let's say took a bit of a crash. The market went down 50000 So it went down, the three fifty home went to three hundred. The person that built their own home still had $100,000 of their equity. Those that went out and bought it, they only had $50,000 left. So in other words, it's recession-proof. You make money on it. But the nice part is, as you've mentioned, not only do you make money on the build, as it escalates, you also make money on the escalation of that. And now one of the small components that I put in there is if you implement either a basement suite, Airbnb, which in some areas now you can use both basement suite and Airbnb, you could be collecting upwards of over $5,000 a month. And overnight, guess what? No mortgage payment. One of the other interesting things that's happening though in the building, and I'm sure you're seeing it, is families moving together. So now you have these families moving together and it's working beautifully for them. So they're building beautiful homes with suites, but they're not on top of one another. Mm. Just gotta get along with mom and dad. Yes. So there's a method <laughs> or, to the Or they madness. have to get along with the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so just while we're on the topic of building, has anything dramatic changed since you first got into this industry? Because I know you told me a story a while ago, and when you first got in, you actually started off selling you know, a bunch of lots and, and getting right into building from day one. So have you seen any dramatic changes in the building process? I mean, obviously costs have skyrocketed, but the concept, has anything changed? Yeah, the, the concept is, I think that's a great question, because it has changed immensely. When I said that I built my first home, I was the contractor builder. I was Mr. Everything, the realtor, the finance. I, I was all of that. And now, for you to venture forward, I would probably strongly, strongly recommend getting a good builder, working along with a good builder. It will actually save you money at the end to pay that builder a set fee or whatever uh, you've worked out with the builder because they'll have contact with all their trades. Trades are tougher to get, but I, yes, now, and you also need a builder's license. It affects beyond that because even when you go to sell that home, there are attachments to it that you can't sell it warranty, because it was yeah. warranty. Yeah. It was built by a homeowner builder. And it's nice if you take that tag away from it. It's not a homeowner builder. It's built by a contractor, but you still save all the money. In yeah. fact, you're, you're saving as, as much and even retracing my steps. If, and, and I did end up working with a good builder so, all the time. So just to be clear for the people listening to this, I, uh, Danny, can you clarify what you're suggesting in this case scenario is a comparison of someone buying a new home from a quote-unquote developer who's built it out in the lot where you're paying all the expenses plus their cost versus the idea of contracting a builder slash or you know in the trades and so forth that you decide to work with and doing it on your own correct that's right awesome perfect just want to make sure everybody listening is on the same page as us because this is really new strategies and conversations for a lot of people that are out there so it's cool to kind of expose this and break it right down so 
Um, you know, it's interesting because we had Jamie uh, Schrader on recently, who you know, uh, actually, and, and, and one of the things that he shared with us, too, is that uh, commercial was a space of uh, his words, big, fat, white men, yeah. uh, who, who <laughs> that's exactly what he said, drink, yeah. smoking cigars and drinking, and there was a myth that, that, that there's all these crazy uh, knowledge pieces that you need to know, and the reality is, is there's a lot to know, but it's not as mythical. You just need to know where to go and look for it. Um, so this, I think it's just same sort of feeling around the building space where maybe not big fat white guy per se, but, uh, there are people out there who kind of hold the cards as far as the knowledge when it comes to even, you know, where do I go to find a good builder? Where do I go to find a realtor who knows this information? And, and, you know, obviously we're bringing you to the table, but just generally speaking, like where should someone even start the conversation of looking? Well, actually that, I think that's really the essence of why people don't do it. What you've got here on this podcast, you're actually providing more information than I've seen people ever get for free and on a positive vein because most people will, again, say why you can't do it. They're, they're uh, cannot rather than can-do people. Yeah. And you have to be can-do. And if you're going to start in on this whole process and on a cannot a- attitude, don't do it. Yeah. It will be a nightmare. Okay. If you do it can do, then you will find, you'll find a good builder. And if you know a builder and, and someone that's recommended to you, it's extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's where it will start. But what a builder sometimes can't do is do the financing. So then connect it with financing is really a big part of it. Of any part in starting the construction, it's the financing. So they have to come to someone, and I'll put the plug in for a Thrive Mortgage. We've done uh, a lot of work with you, and it's been immense help when you can get someone to go to a finance company that understands it. A lot of times, if it's a bank, no disrespect to the banks. They do a tremendous job when they're doing the lending. But on something specific like building, you have to be able to look eye to eye. And if you haven't done it personally, maybe you know someone that has. And say, hey, look, let me reach out and talk to this person. I think the skill, or the uh, something that I provide is something that's very rare in the business. Because I've done it, I, I've done the financing. I've done the building. I've done the developing. So I can figure out how you put a basement in a house, how you might not get a basement, why you should do it in certain aspects. And unfortunately, it always falls back to the cannot. You know, so rather than can do, there's always someone ready to take you down. So no sooner do you get going on it. Out of it, in all the years, as I mentioned, that I've done it, I've rarely had someone on a can-do attitude. Cool. It's always cannot. So, so there's a, a couple things that I want to pick out of that, and uh, a few things that I I heard. Well, number one, you got to start because you mentioned like in the '80s there, you're like, let's do it. Uh, a lot of people turn away when it becomes a little bit too difficult, and that applies to. Uh, we talk a lot in this podcast about quite simply just buying a home. Sometimes we talk about the idea of investment opportunities for people, and and the biggest fear when it comes to investing in any uh, form, especially in real estate, is is often the fear of failure or the fear of losing money. And I imagine that's the same when it comes to building that you commonly hear from people as well. Um, the other, the other thing that I really heard, uh, is, is the attitude and, uh, Danny, that's something that we've come to know about you, about your business and how you run is, it's just that positive energy that you bring to the game. Um, I really want to go back to just, I want to, I want to go a little bit wider on this conversation and talk a little bit about, again, so you've been doing this for, for five decades now and served, I mean, 41, 
41 years. 41 years, so four plus. Amazing. What I want to know from you is, you know, someone to have that kind of longevity and still be at the top of the game selling, I don't even know, 100 plus homes this year. It's going to be on track, 100 homes. 100 homes, unreal. And, and, And still have this kind of energy is... What are some of the biggest things, uh, not, maybe not construction per se, but what are some of the biggest things that you've seen change in, uh, let's say, the last five to ten years or this, this decade, any, any decade that you want to pick? Just yes. Recently. Well, I think one of the big parts and part of my energy is knowledge because my knowledge is there. And so what, what is really difficult, I make look easy. So then once you have that knowledge, you can make things look easy. What, what is the biggest change is doing just what we're doing here, talking. People know sooner, they don't talk to one another. If they have a computer in front of them, they have a phone in front of them, they're busy doing all the phone work, not looking at the person that's sitting across them, not caring about the person that's sitting across from them. I think the reason I enjoy my work now more than I ever do, I really do care about the person that's buying, I care about the person that's selling. I don't want to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. And so I think it's really, if there's any change it's really probably sometimes even the work ethic one of the things that i it's it's the biggest change that i'm seeing is everyone wants to tell on another people now in covid i heard someone the other day had some kids in the backyard visiting the neighbor called the police on them because they had kids in their backyard visiting and to me like other people you know i might be against the grain on that but we grew up, we looked after ourselves, we did everything on our own. Now there's rules for everything. Don't you know there's a rule for that? <laughs> so of anything that's changed, it's the rules. And, and even now, I look at a lot of the rules and I say, how do you know that's true? Yeah. And a lot of times people don't know. They just think that that's a rule, so you can't do it. Yeah. I I don't say that I break the rules, but I certainly stretch them. <laughs> love it, love well, it's it. funny you bring that up. It kind of ties into everything really right like it's it's you know compliance at our offices it's it's the way financing has gone has become much more strict it's you know the way that builders operate it's the way that the township operates it's everything really has gotten a lot more strict and um i'd say that 100 percent mimics what we're seeing in our business as well yeah i i, I gotta say and the other thing i picked up from what you said there danny was uh access to information is is big so just talking on that for a quick second you've referenced our show uh, we're one of, you know, uh, I'm sure a few different uh, formats of podcast or, or, or so forth that are out there in this space and just trying to, I mean, we talked about before you came on, I'm like, I want, I want the goods, Danny, don't hold yeah. anything back. Yeah. Uh, do you think that access to information on the phone or computer or uh, in audio or whatever it is, is changing the buyers that you're working with and the sellers you're working with? And if so, good or bad? It's, it's changed immensely. And I think how you access that information and having that information available is invaluable. Because even if someone is, let's say, whether it's building or whatever you're doing, I think it's important that people look after that. I'll give you an example. Here's where it's changed. When I, went to, when I was at university, we had microfiche. And hardly at that time, anyone used microfiche. And <laughs> don't let me put you off track. I took, as I was going to university, I took a library degree along with my education degree and physical education uh, degree. And the reason I did it is it gave me one more option to get into something. But what I did is that I learned how to use microfiche. And I learned how to take snippets of something. So rather than reading a whole book, I could get it in Cole's Notes version in three 
in three or four pages. My uh, marks went from a C plus to an A and because I had access to knowledge. And so the difference is in the computer now, if you're good at it, you're looking for those small tidbits of knowledge that you can get quickly. So a lot of times you don't need the whole book. You just need the direction that a short article will give you. So I think the, I love, in fact, I, I think as you get older and my age, whatever it be, you have to embrace the technology. And if you don't know it, if you don't know what it is, either get someone who does. I work with some people, whether it be yourselves or other people. I don't have to know it. I just have to say, Alex, how do you do this? And you go, you do it like this. Terrific. You're my knowledge point. And don't be afraid to do that. I get uh, probably mentioned all the time for asking stupid questions or dumb questions. I don't think any questions are dumb. Ask them. Ask them again. And I do it all the time. So I think I love the computer. I love how quickly I can access information. I want to see. I back check myself. I wonder if this is true. So I love the information age. You you talked a little bit to start off the episode about about money and um, people focusing their energy in the wrong place. When we talked about a very micro uh, difference between an interest rate, you said, well, why are you worried about that when, uh, when maybe you're spending this money on a car or something else? So just referencing back to um, that piece and then the other part about the fear of, of making a move in money, how do you, how do you overcome those conversations or, or even have those conversations with those people that you told us you care about that you're working with? Like when you have somebody who's kind of on the edge and not really sure or uncomfortable, um, and it is they're or they're holding their, their hard earned, you know, cash on, on, on hand. What's typically the transition point where, where you're able to get them to see the light to earning that investment potential? Pen and paper. You take the pen, you say, what are, you, what are your expenses now? What are you paying monthly? And I'm sure you guys do this day in, day out. And someone comes in and says, okay, I'm paying $3,000 a month. What is that on? Well, my truck payment's this, and the truck payment's at 17% or 18%, or the uh, computer's at 18%, whatever it might be. Those huge expensive costs that maybe they're paying on Visa or something else. And you say, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we pay it out? So pen to put... Pull out the pen, pull out the paper, say, what are your expenses right now? And what about your mortgage? Oh, they might even have really good equity in their mortgage. Well, do you realize that maybe you should remortgage? Maybe you should refinance. Here's how you're going to do it. So when you show someone that you can take them from, and currently right now, a lot of 3.5% mortgages out there, and you show them a percent and a half, add in their extra costs that they've got on other incidentals, whatever they might be, consolidate it, put down pen and paper, here's your expenses now, here's what they'll do, here's what they will be, and I'm not trying to plug the mortgage, but I think it's one that is apropos to you guys, you can see that it actually works that way. So I think what I do is that I say, and that's what I like doing, I like saying, give me all your tough questions, give me your hardest questions, and because it really comes down to one thing, pen to paper. Take those, put them together, and then you say, you realize you can do this. Now, where does the improvisation come in? The improvisation comes in, as you mentioned, one of the people that you did have in here was Steve Hill. I don't know if I'm allowed to share his uh, information, but I will. And, uh, <laughs> no rules. <laughs> and, and, and there was a guy that had zero down. He didn't have one penny. 23 years old, and he's coming to me and saying, I'd like to buy a house. Well, Steve, you don't have any money. Well, fortunately, his mom and dad had money, and they believed in him. 
they give them the money to put down on the home. And I think this story was told here, someone else paid for it all. So he lived in a home for free, hasn't made a mortgage payment. And so it is doable. It's not something that it just happens to somebody else. So it's pen to paper, tells the whole story. Lay it out, know your numbers, uh, be creative, talk to people who uh, know what they're doing, make a decision quickly, don't try to know absolutely everything, but understand the basics and the facts. I picked up a lot of key points uh, in that conversation of 41 years of, of wisdom here. Um, as we kind of round up, uh, I, I, you know, just the, there's so much knowledge, Danny, I, I, I want to pull out, but I want to try to keep it focused here. Um, you know, just kind of thinking back on your career, can you give us maybe uh, an example of somewhere that you maybe didn't hit the mark and, and maybe something key that you learned? Uh, maybe I mean, it doesn't have to be you personally, yeah. but maybe a circumstance that happened where you're like, I, I, I saw this happen, you know, probably could have been a little, done a little differently, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think there are. And, and you, uh, I would, the person that you take blame on first is yourself. You know, I'm not going to cast it off to somebody else, but I think you can have a good partnership and a bad partnership, or you can have a good partnership that worked out well and then made a turn and all of a sudden didn't go the way that anyone wanted to. But if you're the lead hand on it, you're going to take the brunt of it when it falls. So be careful about your partnerships. At the same time, partnerships can be extremely good. But that would have been one that I would say is bad. Another one is that taking the knowledge that I have now and, and just rolling it forward, I would encourage someone to roll Roll quicker with it if you can. Don't sit on it. I see people sitting on a piece of land, including myself, and I say, oh, why didn't I turn that over two or three times and reinvest that money, do something with it? Also, uh, probably one of the big errors, uh, a lot of people are thinking of their personal wealth so they don't use holding companies. Stick your money in a holding company. If you're a good wage earner and you don't really know where to put your money, put it into a holding company. Let your holding company then start to buy along with you so that you can use that money for yourself. So I, I think that that would be a, a big, uh, what I would call error. One of the biggest errors that I ever had was advice that I got when I was doing a, a development. And at the time, I went to the accountant and said, no, don't put it in a holding company. Keep it in your own name. Well, that time I made actually, uh, you know, I had, it was a good investment. I made good money, but because I kept it in my own personal name, I paid 50% tax rather than paying about 25, 30% tax. So I would have had that money to start out fresh from the beginning. So search out, not always the bank or uh, whoever it might be, look for good mentors. If you can find a good mentor, grab it. And, and be good to them. I will say the cost of success is a cup of coffee, but make sure you buy it. Okay, like it. so buy the cup of coffee, and it's amazing how much you'll learn over a cup of coffee. That's incredible. I feel like we have to stop right there. That was so good, Danny. That was so good. Um, listen, for anybody who's listening to this show uh, right now, I think a couple things you need to know about Danny. We've shared them throughout the episode. He's full of nuggets, lots of good information, lots of quotables in here. Uh, the second thing, and uh, I really appreciate the way that you took that uh, that spin on when we, we brought up the uh, quote-unquote failures there is, is what did you learn from it? So if you're listening to this, make sure to take the time and the energy to uh, learn from what Danny's learned along the way.
uh, the partnership piece, obviously, uh, know what's a good fit and what isn't a good fit and take your time and energy into it. Number two, making those decisions a little quicker, which is interesting because, of course, have the research, like you mentioned, and the education, but but uh, to, to, of course do it, have action. And I think that's one of the common things that we see for people who are buying into real estate or investing into real estate is just fear of, of anything or everything, fear of losing, fear of, of uh, not earning enough or whatever it is. So, so take action. A lot of good stuff here, Danny. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us on the episode here today. Um, for anybody who wants to reach you, what's the best way to reach Danny Evans? By email. By email. Because I've got assistance <laughs> to help me out. I, I don't text me. You can phone me, 604 649 1067. You can email me info at dannyevans.ca. And if you want, you can come over for coffee. I'll buy it. I like it. Danny's still old school. He wants to see you face to face and he'll talk to you about how to build a huge resource. Thank you, Danny, for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you.